Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 213, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, Developing Cultural Touchstones for Immersive World Building, Kickstarting in 2019. Episode 216, Approaching Allyship from a Genuinely Intersectional Perspective, presented by Julia Ellingbo and Brand Robbins. I think that was the good male ally, and that was cancelled. Oh. Why? Because we couldn't find any. Oh. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Two of the panelists got sick and couldn't be here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> there we go. Though, there's days where the other one feels. I'm just, you know. Tools and tactics for guiding allies towards functionality. Yeah. Yeah, I think being practical is good. Yeah. Yes. Hands on practical. Also, despite the fact, so before we like get going officially, despite the fact that we are seated up on the dais as though we are collegial authorities and I plan to thump my hand with great authority upon this stern and judgmental dais, do y'all in the audience mind if we just like do this a little more informally and like, like ask you questions, you ask us questions as we go, we just talk through things? Is that okay? Okay, cool. Yeah. I feel like there's not really a... I mean, there there are some, like, good ways to be a good ally, but there's not one way to be a good ally. Conversely, there's several ways to be a bad ally. Yes, yes. So so where do we want to start? Do we want to start with good things or bad things? Or do we want... Do, do we need to, for anybody here in the room, start with why it is important to be an ally and be constantly working towards allyship? I think just a general mission statement. A general mission statement. General mission statement sounds legitimate. You want to go first, or do you want me? I'll I'll start. start. Do your thing. So I think of an ally as someone, um, well, it means friend, um, but it's somebody that you, um, who is not necessarily part of your, uh, I don't want to say community either, because allies can be in similar communities with people, but maybe part of your some sort of subgroup um, or some sort of some that, that, that you're slightly different you, you have similar cause um, but you may have a different approach you may have a different history um, but an ally is somebody who um, will stand by your side when the going gets rough and the rough is rough and um, can be an advocate without being your uh, voice. Um, I think that's probably one of the most important aspects of being an ally is to is to have have that feeling of advocacy that that you are um, you are speaking up for someone or something, um, not because it necessarily affects you directly, but because uh, it affects people um, that you care about and that thus indirectly affects you um, because 
peace affects all of us, right? So um, being a good ally shows that you have a vested interest in someone else's well-being and somebody else's safety, um, but not just safety, but someone else's success and well-being. And, um, and you, you are advocating not so much for your own, but again, there is, there is the symbiotic indirect um, benefit that you will get from someone else getting success. So that's like at the core. And I think when you talk about like issues around gender and race and, and other ways that we divide each other, we divide ourselves in groups, that, um, that it becomes, you know, we, we, I think we talk a lot about like white allies. So, um, but at the core, it's that, that you're, you're advocating without speaking for someone. I was about to ask a follow-up question about that. Can you speak a little bit more about yeah. advocate? You said, I especially like the way you put it first. You said something like being an advocate for somebody without trying to be or take their voice. Yes, yeah, which being, being their voice. Be, like, yeah. So for you, and we said we wanted to talk a little bit practically where possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So can you talk about what that maybe looks like with some examples? Sure. Okay. Um, hmm. Let me think about that. Think of some good gaming examples. Uh, well, if you ever go to like a web forum, <laughs> if you ever went to story games, <laughs> um, which had some really interesting players and interesting characters, um, and um, had people who maybe weren't good allies but felt like they were being good allies. Um, a good ally online is someone say say I post something about my experience as um, as an African American woman um, at a role playing game convention or at a game convention and how every time I was standing next to um, a white man um, and someone else would approach us even if that white man were say like um, this would never happen, but say it was my husband who does not attend game conventions, is not a gamer. Um, but say, you know, we're, we're at a game convention and by some miraculous turn, my husband's standing there. Someone walks up to us as a couple and starts asking my husband about some kind of thing that I know a lot more about. Because say they're asking him about a game that I wrote and um, which, which can happen. I could have my, my very female sounding name, Julia, on something and someone will assume that Julia is this white dude standing next to me. Um, and This has actually happened with Mo and I. Uh, my wife is, uh, I think I can safely say, one of the leading North American freeform LARP designers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, oh, yes, she is. yes, she is. Thank you. Yes. Um, and I haven't designed anything for public consumption in like a decade or something like that mm -hmm. but at gaming conventions people always come up to me and are like oh my god I love warbirds and I'm like to the left buddy mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. left so in your allyship you're not going to first of all you're not going to say well thank you I thought that was a really fantastic game um, uh, <laughs> I worked so hard on it I put in zero minutes <laughs> <laughs> but you might say just like what you said I'm not Mo. Mo is standing right here. Any questions you have about warbirds, you should ask Mo. And then take a couple steps back, 
And then when they go, uh, uh, and they keep looking at you. That's when I flip them off. Is, is that good allyship? Um, <laughs> I, I think I, 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 there's a part of me that wants to say yes, and there's a part of me that, that is hesitant because <laughs> um, <coughs> there's that. Because sometimes when you need to be a good ally, you shouldn't escalate in a way that might rebound onto the person you're trying to be an ally with? Yes. Oh. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. So my hesitation in saying, why, yes, Brand, you should absolutely then punch that person in the face. Um, the reason I can't really bring myself to say that, um, I think about um, one of my favorite things to, to watch on, on the internet is um, uh, white supremacists getting punched. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So there's there's that guilty pleasure of watching somebody who just says things that that are showing that they're not allies, <laughs> not good allies, just not allies. And showing um, that they're the enemy. Let's right, yeah. right. That they that they are they're the reason that that we need allies. Um, get you know, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Richard Spencer. Blah, 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 my little cat flag. Boom. And people put down loop, and they've put a soundtrack to it, and it's really fun to watch. Um, However, uh, my favorite one is LL Cool J's "Mama Said Knock You Out." Yes, yes, <laughs> I love that. Um, however, where I go, I'm not sure that was good allyship. Um, the the puncher um, was that um, resorting to violence in that way doesn't necessarily mean Richard Spencer's. Th um, not even say thugs because that's sort of uh, his lackeys and his goons aren't going to go punch another white dude um, because that's an equal power exchange as far as they're they're concerned they're gonna go punch the next Jewish person or black person or or woman that they see and so that that she reaction downhill right 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 that that's exactly it that that they're when you're talking to somebody who already has a propensity for punching down, um, and you punch them, they're not going to punch across because they see you as as you know the, they see the ally as as a peer. Uh, they're going to punch down, and we find that communities that 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 communities that are already marginalized and threatened by violence are the ones that suffer the most, as we saw last week. Um, so. Or when you have a whole, when you have a president screaming about immigration and characterizing um, people who are fleeing um, really bad circumstances and calling them thugs and you know, they're all bad people just because he can tell by the way they look. Um, if you have people yelling and screaming and telling the president to sit down and go away and go to hell and die in a fire, he's probably just going to ramp up his um, his criticism. He's not going to go, oh, white people, you're right. You know, we know that's not going to happen, but he's also not going to engage them. He's not going to engage as, he's not going to engage the allies. He's going to engage negatively the people that he's already punching at. Um, so that's something to watch out for when you resort to being super loud and obnoxious. But... <laughs> but, but Julia. Yeah. How can I vent my righteous rage in a way that makes me feel better about me if I can't just act without thinking about the consequences of my actions on others? But, well, then you need to remove yourself from the um, uh, under the ally umbrella because that's not being a good ally. Oh. That's being 
um, that's being gleefully selfish. And so if you want to be clear about your, your purpose for punching the Nazi, like you are getting a deep sense of satisfaction out of this. You, as, as not an ally, but as like Richard Spencer's evil cousin, or good cousin, um, as the case may be, um, that, that it's all about you in that moment. Own that. Just say I'm not punching. I'm not punching Nazis for, for anybody other than my own enjoyment, and also for my health insurance company to give them money when they have to take me to the hospital to fix my knuckles. Um, so that's why. And and I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with being selfish in this in this instance. Yes, there is. Um, but if you're going to do those things, don't claim that you're doing them for anyone other than yourself. Does that help? That helps. Yeah. Or to be to, to be less sarcastic in it, uh, as I have gone through the process of learning to be a better ally to many groups, mm -hmm. um, as what one of my friends once described me as, at least from the outside, looking like the apex predator of privilege, <laughs> cis, het, white male, university educated, works at a Fortune 500 corporations, so it's 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 I've got privilege. Um, one of the things that I've had to learn is you need to have a certain degree of self-awareness because we all do things for status and for social positioning. Mm -hmm. Anybody that tells you they don't care about status either doesn't understand what status is or is lying to yourself or them because status is how our communities and our cultures tell us if we're doing right or wrong. Mm -hmm. They tell us how well we're doing. Now people often are shorthanding it and when they say they don't care about status they're saying I don't like this aspect of what our community values I don't like the way that Kim Kardashian gets status I don't like you know wealth fame prettiness as status that's fine but status as a whole thing is how we tell each other and how we give feedback to each other about if we're behaving appropriately or not so all human beings care about status at some level mm -hmm. if they don't there's something wrong that person is dangerous so you care about status. And being an ally can very often, if you're already in a position of privilege, both make you feel good and get you positive feedback from other people. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently. The problem is when you start making that your primary motivation, if you're acting for yourself, sometimes we all act for ourselves, sometimes we have to act for ourselves because the world can be kind of ugly. That's fine. But you need to be clear about what you're doing and why. You need to have some self-awareness about how you react to status. Am I doing this because it's gonna make me look good to me? Am I doing this in a way that is going to impact myself positively? Or am I doing this with my primary aim being to help somebody else? Mm -hmm. Being to be an ally rather than fighting my own war? And one of the ways that I have found effective in doing that, besides just the self-awareness, um, in how I vent my righteous rage, but do so in a way that isn't about me, is asking other people what they want me to do. Mm -hmm. How can I support you? How can I support yeah. you? Yeah. Um, there was, and I am completely blanking on her name and failing my allyship role right now, there is a Sudanese African Canadian activist in Canada who gave a fascinating speech about six months ago in which she taught me the phrase, you cannot set the agenda for someone else's liberation. 
And I will look up her name and like post it to the website when this goes on the blog because she deserves all the credit she can get. But it struck me, you cannot set the agenda for someone else's liberation. Yeah. And there might be times when that means as allies, we can't necessarily walk in lockstep because we might all have slightly different agendas. Mm -hmm. But we need to be aware of what the agenda of the people we are allying with is. We need to ask them and we need to figure out where we walk together. Mm -hmm and ask them how they need us to help. Yes, that actually touches on something that I do in my work life that I get actually paid for on a regular basis. Um, so I work for a social change nonprofit um, and without really going into a lot of the particulars, we work with communities um, in helping them address <laughs> um, forms of oppression as we describe them, such as homelessness, um, poverty, sexual and domestic violence. Um, so things that you often call social ills, we look at as oppressions um, because they are ways that people um, are oppressed. Simple enough. Um, so when you are, say, working in a, in a domestic violence shelter uh, or a battered women's shelter, um, and I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize the people who are doing really difficult work there, um, however, there, there are some things that you often will encounter. You encounter people who have the best of intentions, who believe that they are being allies and advocates, um, and in doing that, decide what's best for someone in their shelter. Um, so uh, they may impose all these rules. You come to the shelter, you absolutely have to leave your partner. You have to leave your partner. You have to, we have to see the papers for divorce, which I don't know if that really happens, but, um, but that, that may not necessarily be what somebody wants, but you think it's what they need, and who are you to say that that's actually what they need? Perhaps by giving up, um, by, by, by attaining the safety, they're trading out some things that, that are not going to help them get any better or be any, any safer, really. So come to the shelter, um, but you, um, the shelter is 30 miles away and you're going to have to figure out a way to get your kids to school. You're going to have to figure out a way to talk to your, um, to your, to your parents or your caseworker or whatever. But you, know, you, have to, you, have to, you have to leave this person. That's, that's the rule. Um, but everything else will then crumble and, and cascade, cascade into failure. Um, so are those folks being good allies? Well, I'm not going to pass judgment because that's, that's generally what our systems tell us that we're supposed to do. Um, and the place that I work disagrees that that's good allyship. So we'll just leave it there. Um, so, you know, the first thing that we should be doing when someone walks into a, a shelter and they need help, they, they're homeless, they, um, they're trying to leave a, a, a dangerous situation, we say, what do you need? And not, this is what you need. And um, so that's a big, big example. You can do that online and be like, you know, wow, I just saw you get attacked by, by this, this troll. What do you need? And if that person says, you know what? I just need to make sure this person is blocked from my social media. Please don't go after that person, <laughs> that other, the troll, you know? That's, that, that you, you checked in and they were like, I'm good. That's really empowering, just to be like, well, I support you if they come back. I will block them from my social media as well. 
and maybe get at that. You have raise your hand. Uh, yeah, I um, one of my peers used to work in uh, a woman's shelter as a as a therapist. I've worked in a psych ER um, as a, as a therapist. Um, where does allyship play when there's that huge of a power imbalance? Like, that is a huge power imbalance to be like, oh, I am your ally, I'm going to help you, but I dictate whether or not you have a safe place to sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, so how how do you even, like, as, let's say, this is my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. am I your ally or am I just doing my job? That's a good question. I should uh, give you the information about where I work. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's... Um, there, there is that power imbalance, and that's that's one of the, that that I think what we have to go back then to is to really look at systems change and, and how what 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 are what layers are preventing or well what layers are causing this this strange power imbalance that someone seeking help um, is then like under the thumb of people who are who are deciding what's best for someone because of state regulations or just how they do things. Um, how you know is there a way that we can empower and and um, shift the way someone looks at their job even that that I'm I'm not here to tell you that you know you have to be here at ten o'clock or else we're not going to give you a bed. Um, I'm going to find out. Oh, you work nights? Okay, we will do roll call at this time and we are going to make sure that you are marked as being here because you work nights and you're not going to get here until two o'clock in the morning. Um, that those, those simple shifts um, can sort of alter that power imbalance because you, you aren't in, in this position to say, well, the rules tell me that roll call is at 10 and if you aren't here, the doors are locked. Well, the rules are now taking into consideration that half of the people who are coming to the shelter have night jobs and will lose their jobs and be further at risk for, uh, be even in a bigger hole as far as money and, and even more unable to um, find stable housing. Um, if we don't find a way to make sure that working individuals have a way to check into the shelter before the doors lock. So uh, to, to look at the example that you gave of uh, a woman wants to check into a battered woman's shelter mm-hmm. and cannot because they have not officially left their husband in any legal fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand why some of those restrictions are in place because mm-hmm. they're, they don't want to be giving resources to someone who is eventually just not going to try and help themselves. Ooh, that's a good point though. Go ahead, okay. I'm, 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 I'm tabling that. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. all right, yep. Um, so, how do you address something like that? So like if, if I am someone who is a, to use me as an example, mm-hmm. I'm a battered woman and I don't, I, I'm not ready to leave, mm-hmm. but I need to get out of the house. I mm-hmm. need to get out for a day or two and cool off because I believe that my, my husband's going to be better. I know ultimately that they are not. Mm-hmm. That's besides the point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a matter of, I'm trying to figure out where the line is because there needs to be that triaging that happens Mm -hmm. but at the same time just because I'm not ready to leave doesn't make me as worthy to be able to get help like I don't know I don't know how to draw that line I guess I'm not even like necessarily having a question so much as a philosophical like where's that line 
Um, because I understand both sides. Yeah, yeah. So when we talk about giving people access to resources, um, are those resources actually what they need? So if someone is, you know, is not able to access some resources that they can get because they, for whatever reason, maybe maybe they're maybe they're afraid that they're going to lose their children if they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we decide what what resources are actually important and necessary? Um, it's sort of like you know with um, with SNAP benefits nowadays, uh, where, where Trump was talking about wanting to just give people boxes of peanut butter and cheese and things like that. He's so helpful. I know, I know. Why can't we just let? Why can't we just give people money and let them decide what they want to eat? You know, oh, but you can't have um, you can't have candy on here. Well, why why is it that because you're just because you're poor, you shouldn't have candy, like? Why are we making that, that judgment that, well, we're, you know, you have to spend this money that we're giving you on only healthy food. Um, but we're not even going to really tell you what that is because that's another program down the hall. Um, <laughs> so here is $50 and you have to spend it on this type of milk because we have a government contract with Coca-Cola that produces this type of milk. Um, and you have to buy this and this and this. Well, I'm allergic to this. I'm allergic to milk. I buy almond milk. Oh, that's too expensive. Nope, 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 nope. Anyway, we're, we're getting off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's no, okay. This no, is no, fascinating. I've been, like I've been sitting here like, should, should I redirect? No, I'm not. <laughs> I like everything that's being said here. This is all good stuff. Um, because I, well, this is all very important stuff because we're talking about the the social structures and the power of agents within mm-hmm. those structures. Yeah. But maybe right now we could look a little bit more about what we can do agentically, like what we as individuals yeah. can do. And, and I feel bad saying this, but like, can we talk about what maybe what we can do in gaming because we're at a well, gaming we should convention? Totally talk about what we're doing in gaming. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> so like, no, this is all fabulous, and it's like. Because a lot of these structures get replicated at a much smaller and more local level in gaming. Um, and I th- there, there's a core thing of any time you are trying to tell another person what their agenda should be, you've got to stop and ask yourself why you're doing that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like compared to the stuff you were just talking about, this sounds like such small, petty bullshit, but it's still something that almost made me flip a table. Like, and people say that on, on the internet. I mean, I literally almost flipped the table. Um, I was at a game design conference that was not Metatopia, uh, in which I watched a designer of color, a young designer of color from a marginalized and multiple axes community who was talking to an older, established, white, male, cis, pet, etc., game designer about their idea for this game they'd been working on for a year. And the advice, the first bit of advice before the, the, the kid I shouldn't call him a kid, he was probably 22, but to me that's a kid. Um, Before the kid could even finish talking about his game concept, which to me sounded really interesting, the older designer said, stop, you can't do this with a traditional system. You need to make a bespoke system for this and you're not even starting in the right place. Didn't even finish listening to what the kid wanted to do and was already telling him without understanding his background, without understanding his market, without understanding the design goals, that his entire approach was wrong because it was not the approach that this guy would have taken. Um, 
I think I was a better ally that day and that I did not flip the table, but instead afterwards took the kid aside and was like, here, let me put you in touch with these three people. Um, so I think we need to look at places, and I'm not saying that I even did great, um, but I think we need to look at places where we have, where even in our tiny community, there are differentials of power, where there are systems that we enforce as norms, and where we tend to do rote responses, or uh, Rob Donahue recently called these called it shticked. Don't reply with shticked. And what he defines shticked as is a canned response. Especially if you're a game designer or somebody that comes to game design conventions, you'll like, you'll get a lot of people that come up to you wanting advice. You'll get a lot of people coming up to you asking for pointers or tips or something. And there's, there's a very common response that, and everybody does this because we all have to find ways to say the cognitive load. You'll be like, canned response number three. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that if you looked at my responses to people last Metatopia, you could roll a D6 on a table and just auto-generate <laughs> the thing that came out of my mouth. Have you looked at Apocalypse World? <laughs> um, which, you know, sometimes that's fine. But there's also times where when you're doing that, when you're replying with shtick, you need to look and be like, wait, am I actually understanding where they're coming from? Am I actually understanding what they need? Am I trying to help them or am I just trying to say something that makes me feel smart so I can move on and be a successful mentor game designer? Yes. Um, I think that little anecdote is, is quite illustrative of some things that I've encountered in, in game circles and stuff like that. And it touches on to kind of a couple of, um, one question that I have, I don't know if it's a real question or whatever, but like you have these conflicts, you have the opportunity to, to interject <coughs> Um, and in that case, you made the choice of like, I'm gonna let this play out a little bit. I'm gonna we're gonna have an aside, um, and with me and this one person individually. Yeah. And I think in that situation, that was a, a very wise choice in that case because of the power dynamic that was going in that case. You've got this older game designer. You start putting them down in front of this person or or whatever. Like it might create more problems for the young game designer down the line. Like when you're not there. And, um, and when the allies aren't there. Um, and so that's kind of the, like an interesting, cool solution. And I, I dig how you approach that situation and engaged it well. Um, but there are some times where it's like, you want to cut in and make it like calling people out. There are times to call people out. Yep. Um, and I'm curious if there, if y'all have thoughts on kind of the, the side conversation versus the calling out conversation mm -hmm. and, and X, Y, and Z. That's a big, big thing, but I don't know. Is so. that a follow on to his question? Can you, okay, go ahead, follow on. So you didn't mention there's a third, oh. which is calling in. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is a kinder, gentler way of, instead of saying, yo, asshole, you should not have said that to that person. Instead of saying, hey, so that was inappropriate and here's why do you have time for a learning moment? And so uh, calling in culture is starting to become a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really happy about that. So mm -hmm. calling mm -hmm. culture. Way more friendly. <laughs> call in, call out, sidebar, step around. Yeah. Julia, I know you have opinions about this. I do have opinions about this. Please politics. go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I think uh, as, a, as a person of color, um, take what, what I'm going to say as my own words. Um, and you, I know there are people out there who will totally disagree with me. Um, I 
I find call-out culture um, dangerous for uh, people from marginalized communities for the same reasons that um, I love to watch Nazis being punched on on the internet, but I also cringe and I, 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 it scares me um, because that that calling out that 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 was really stupid, you freaking stupid asshole. That you know that I'm I'm shutting off this conversation because it's just you and me. We're gonna go at it. Um, the backlash falls on that young game designer. Yeah. Designer. Um, so, um, so that's my that's my hesitation and, and my 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 distaste for for call out culture. Yeah. That it doesn't it, it satisfies an immediate correction that need for someone to be told that they were wrong. Um, it does not open the pathways for understanding and community, and um, it doesn't bring that person um, to your side of thinking, or doesn't attempt to. Um, it just lets them know that they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, no one wants to be told that they were wrong. And more to the point, no one wants to be told that they were wrong, and then not given any alternative to like, well, what did, okay, what did I do right? What, what is there something else I could do? Um, so, uh, one of the, the earlier um, descriptions of calling in culture, um, or I don't know how early it was, but uh, the, the calling in sort of manifesto was written by people of color. I don't remember their names, and I'm sorry about that. There's a whole book about it. We're going to post these things on the website when the yeah. podcast goes up. Like, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll, just, it'll, it'll, we're both old and bad with names. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got like four hours sleep last night. Um, so in, in Islam, there is uh, this thing called nasiha, which is giving advice. Giving advice. Advice. Yep. Yes. And the way you give advice, there, there's a, a very, there's a, there's a way. Depending on someone's uh, status in in a situation or just in in a community, how you give that advice. Um, you don't give advice. The bottom line, you don't give advice as a way. You don't weaponize your advice. So you don't call people out. You don't tell them you're wrong and, and how could you do that? And um, in, in, in the context of Nasiha, you're, you're typically talking about whether you're doing something living or behaving Islamically. But it, it applies very well to just our general behavior as human beings. Um, so um, in Nasiha, when you're giving Nasiha, you're giving advice. Say, say you um, said something really awful. Uh, this is something that, if, if there are no allies in this room, after you publicly say this thing that was really awful, I can go to you and go, um, or something wrong, something wrong-headed. I can go to you and I say, so um, that thing you said, um, I want to talk to you about that. I, I just want to let you know, oh, and this is in private, uh, I disagree with you. And here is what I think is the wrong-headed way the, that, that you took this. Here's what I think would be a better way. And you can look at me and go, who are you? And you might be thinking that. And as I'm going on and I'm saying in a compassionate way, I 
I can see that from your, from your standpoint, from your background, you might have experienced these things, and, and so that might lead you down this path of thinking that eating pork is, is halal, um, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that conversation ends without my saying, and you must do what I tell you, what I just told you. You must do this. I'm going to walk away from that conversation being like, I told you what, I, what you needed to hear as far as I'm concerned. And you can either take that and become a better person and use that information, or you can think I, you can decide I'm full of shit and keep on what you're doing. And then we're going to go to another level. We may have to escalate. But I did my part and I'm walking away. And because you are a human being and you have your own life to live, and it, if we're speaking Islamically, there is no compulsion in the religion, you're free to do whatever you want to do. And that's whatever sin you're committing, how, whatever like alcohol you're drinking or pork you're eating, that's on you and that's between you and God. You know, Peace be upon you, I'm walking this way. Um, so you leave that, that session of Nasiha without the expectation that um, someone's gonna come around to your side. But that, that you gave them what, what you felt like they um, should get and uh, they can take or leave it. Um, and they can even come back to you and go, you know what, I've been thinking about what you said, I still disagree with you, but I'm gonna try this. And that's, that's what can happen when you don't shame somebody into feeling like, you know. And I think we see in, in our political climate now that people feel like they've been shamed and they feel like they've been ignored and, and things like that. And they've been told that they're wrong because they, they can't, you know, they, they looked at this person and all they saw was a he, and you know, and, and now they're being told that they should have said they, and blah, 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 and I'm not gonna change my ways. Because then somebody humiliated me in front of all these other people. Um, that, would you want to get some advice? Like, if you were, you know, knitting incorrectly, do you want me to go, oh my God, two-handed knitter, you know? <laughs> wait, what? I would, I would hate it. I, I would feel embarrassed and I would get defensive. Yeah. No, wait, I want to know what's wrong with two-handed knitting. <laughs> <laughs> like, this just got personal. We'll talk about it later. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that diffuses. That diffuses, yeah. So, for, for leaders, for political leaders, it's a little bit different in Nasiha. So, if I felt like Donald Trump was living un-Islamically and doing things in the name of Americans that um, went against my personal religious beliefs, um, I could write him a letter and be like, Dear President Trump, I just want to let you know that um, the three largest Abrahamic faiths are firmly rooted in protecting and taking care of the refugee. And so what you're doing to all these people coming to our borders legally seeking asylum is wrong, and I think you should really consider what you're doing or else God's gonna strike you down. I write that letter in pro private, or maybe not put the God will strike you down thing, whatever. Of course he doesn't listen. Someone who is in a higher position than you, that person you can maybe not call out. I can't like hold uh, a, an effigy of Donald Trump, you know, and burn it, and be like, this is for the immigrants, you know, no, do that. But you might write a public post. Donald Trump is putting all of us in danger by this frightening rhetoric. Um, so you just contain, you, you maintain your composure. You walk away and go, that motherfucker, you know, but you're not gonna write that publicly. Um, if you see somebody doing something that's criminal or wrong or dangerous. That's when your Nasiha 
um, becomes like calling the police, which means like if they're selling bottles of water, you don't do that. Gonna <laughs> say who are we calling? <laughs> well, you 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 call out. The, basically, I'm just giving like then you you at that point you 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 say this is wrong. Yeah. Like grabbing by the pussy is wrong. Yeah. Um, Gamergate stuff is wrong. How do you spell that? Um, what? N A S. It's either an I. Sometimes it's N A S I H A or N A S E E H A. Thank you. You're welcome. So in taking that principle that, that you can call somebody in, you can attract more flies with honey than vinegar. Um, that that you, you're, you're giving that advice um, in the spirit of, of uh, com- compassion. That you, because we don't want to see people um, fail. And we don't want to see people fall down uh, the rabbit hole of moral bankruptcy. You know, and and we don't want to see people hurting other people. Um, that we have compassion, to a degree, <laughs> to a point, for the person, for the perpetrator. Maybe they don't know it's wrong to cast aspersions on people seeking asylum. Maybe we, maybe they don't know that um, that women comprise a major. Uh, or, or like major game players in, in the gaming world, and that, that they do exist. Um, and that, that there are just some things, too, that um, will imperil people and put them in danger, and that's when you yell fire. Um, when people are out there sending death threats to game designers, that's, that's when you, you know, maybe yeah. take that out. Take that we also out. have in-game stuff where we don't like, we're gonna be here for the next four hours. Mm-hmm. I guess you take a biology break and then you do an assign. Mm-hmm. It's like part of that statement. Um, so, yeah. yeah. In God, like three things just queued up in my mind all at the same time. Um, in my personal experience at the gaming table, when people are behaving inappropriately, depending on the degree of inappropriateness, it is almost always more effective to turn it aside softly. Mm-hmm. Then check with the people. Turn it aside softly. Turn it aside softly. Sure. Um, which isn't always necessarily even an aside or something, but like I've often, and once again, with any rhetorical strategy, you also have to consider the position of the person making it. So me saying something at the table is gonna be different than Julia saying something at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, So what works for me might not work for Julia. It's possible that Julia and I have seen this happen more than once in actual conversations (laughs) where Julia said something and everybody just kept talking. And then I said, dude, all I said and the conversation stopped. But even then, I've often found, dude, really? Just a soft. Or even to go as harsh as, can we not? Mm-hmm. Often is more than enough because most people, especially most gamers, are conflict avoidant mm-hmm. and often just need to know where the line is. And once you show them where the line is, especially if you do it softly, they'll back away. And if they don't, if they come at you, which, God, I've played a lot of games internationally, like lots and lots with lots of people, and it, it just it doesn't happen often. I'm not going to say it never happens, but it's, it's, it's one in thousands. Mm-hmm. If it is an issue that is that bad, if you turn to decide softly and they are the one that escalates, 
than it is visibly in the eyes of the community on them. You turned it aside softly, they escalated. You turned it aside softly, they escalated harder. You turned it aside softly, con security is removing them. Yeah. If you become the one that goes to violence first, and I'm not saying that there's never situations for this, but let's... I've seen verbal violence. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rare. It's rare that it actually is going to help. So that was the first thing. Turning aside softly is often more effective. Or, as you said, during the bio break, take them aside. Or during the bio break, talk to the person you're worried might be in, um, under, the, under pressure. Might be the one that's receiving it. Ask them what they want. Can I say one more thing before yeah, I call on yeah. you? Okay. I have... I listen to stories. I collect stories. Uh, it used to be a thing that I did professionally. Um, and in all of the stories that I heard, especially I was at the time focused on women's studies, so it was mostly stories from women, when somebody would ask them, like, tell me about a time when someone was a good ally for you. You know the number of times that the story ended and then he beat the shit out of the guy. It wasn't zero, but it was very low. Most of the stories of when he was a good ally were some variation of he stood behind me and let me know there was someone there if I needed them and trusted me to be able to handle it myself. And these stories go everything from being at a gaming table to violent altercations on the street during protests or during domestic abuse situations. He stood behind me and let me know there was someone there if I needed them but trusted me to be able to handle it with his support by and far was the biggest story that I got. Personally, not ever done, always done perfectly about that. Amusing anecdote, I hope. There was one time long, long ago and far, far away on the internet where I thought somebody was being kind of shitty to Julia and I called them on it. We proceeded to get into a fight. It didn't go well because fights on the internet never solve anything. <laughs> they just become stupider and stupider. At which Julia then actually had to be the adult in the situation and step in and end the fight that I was doing to support her. <laughs> and I pretty much then back channel messaged her and said, Julia, what the fuck? And she said, oh, Brand, bless your heart. <laughs> and I said, I grew up in the South and I know what that means. <laughs> and that was kind of a wake up moment for me. And I was like, oh shit, I just was that guy, wasn't I? So we all fuck up. Um, Third thing that I'm going to call on you. <laughs> um, in, if you're in a Nasiha kind of situation and someone takes you aside, one of the best things you can do as a good ally is listen to what they say. And listen to what they say isn't necessarily believe what they say or slavishly follow what they say. Because, spoiler alert, all of us are wrong sometimes. But at least listen through. Try and understand, even if you logically disagree, even if you disagree with their conclusion, try to understand where their lived experience has made them come to you in this way and say this thing to you. Have human empathy. Try and understand where they come from. And once again, allies, try not to make that exchange about you. And it's going to be hard. Because even if they are doing Nasiha with love, you may feel confronted. You may feel shame. You may feel internal guilt in the moment. Try to be strong enough to move past that and hear them with empathy and compassion and judge their words with your wise mind. If you still think they're wrong, maybe they were, maybe you need further conversations, 
But if you don't judge with your wise mind first and try and move beyond your own initial emotional reaction, you are not being a good ally. Um, one of the things I was going to talk about, uh, which is something I've run into, is um, uh, as a white person, I'll be in situations where it's like all other white people, mm. and something is said, or you know, I'm in a situation uh, where I'm not as visibly queer because I happen to be in a heterosexual present presenting relationship, even though I'm not straight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so people can interpret that as, oh, she's just straight, don't worry about it. Um, so you can be, I'll, sometimes I'll be in those situations where someone will say something or someone will do something, and I know a big piece of that is calling out, calling out your own, for lack of a better term. Or calling like, them in. Or calling them yeah. in, yeah, now that I have that vocabulary. <laughs> Um, yeah, I grew up with that or, or, culture. Like, you know, very call out culture. What, what you might hear is, I don't do myself. please come get Becky. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so I guess like remembering to navigate those situations, and I guess like that's di that's like a different situation to navigate than like the situation you ran into, where there's a very visible, there's a person of color being. Yep faced with a, a, a white person versus it's a white person talking shit and around other white people. Mm -hmm. Those situations are often very difficult and require ethical courage and leadership because it's really easy as a white people in a room full of white people to just let shit pass. Especially with you where there is a potential that you could be endangering yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean there's even a potential I could be endangering myself but it's less. Yeah. Much less. Like I think an order of magnitude less possibly <laughs> um, but it's still important you're right and that's 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 hard but it's something we got to step up on um, two questions yeah. one do you oh wait sorry hold on we've got five minutes so these are probably going to be our last questions oh, oh I have ten minutes but yeah okay. but we're going to get kicked out at like we're supposed to end at five two so that they have time to set up the next thing oh so. next thing is dinner though but anyway okay okay okay, okay let's go yeah, over yeah. dinner Oh, uh, okay. All right. Sorry. Go Sorry. Go, go ahead, man. <laughs> so, um, the first one was where you're seeing that you're drawing a line within the gaming community, and that's happening. Do you and and people are backing out or like you know backing off more? Do you think part of that is because you're sitting down at a table playing a game? You've already signed a social contract to interact with one another, and do you feel like that, that might be part of the anchoring in in a them allowing you to redirect them. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it's why it's probably easier to redirect somebody at a game table than it is if you're playing an online game with a headset, um, because you have to look somebody in the eye, um, and you have to relate to them in a human way rather than your avatar. Now, I guess the, the, the second question is the flip to that, where you're you're following the, the, the path you know you, you set out regarding Nasiha, right? Mm -hmm. You follow the path, but then the conversation has gone, has, has continued from in person to social media. Mm. And now, the, like, how do you keep that from spiraling out of control and and the allyship begins to fall apart because it's so much easier to escalate in that setting? Um, you may have a, a another take on this. Um, uh, you do, you. My, <laughs> my response to social media is, <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of that in mind too. Um, it, it, like I always chuckle when I hear people say, "I really like Trump, but I just don't like when he's texting and he's doing all these." It's like, 
But that's who he is. Okay. Um, so when it escalates to, to social media, I think one of the problems is that there was no social media during the prophet's time. <laughs> um, and the, the problem with social media is that it is a rapid fire form of communication and it is an inefficient form of communication. And in some ways we don't yet have all the rules around how we mitigate the damage that it can cause. <coughs> Um, so my first half of my answer would be I don't know, because it is it, it because I I will very often be like you know log out, um, and I feel like that that in in some way for for someone's own personal sense of safety and and emotional and mental health, unplugging and not hearing that thing because what happens is it gets retweeted and it gets repeated, so that one comment becomes five thousand comments. Um, and it gets picked up by other people who may not even actually be people, and it just, it blossoms, and it becomes that monster that we can't control. And perhaps one of the ways to, to slow, that, slow down that growth is to not retweet it and ignore it and, and move it aside, or, you know, I don't know. Um, but the other thing is if you're still dealing with a real life person who's just posting on social media, um, trying to, to take them aside. Like I've noticed there's, there's a woman on um, Instagram who looks at websites and other Instagram pages of people, um, white people who are appropriating um, Native American culture in some way. And she sends them, she's, she's a, um, she was an, a Muslim convert. Okay, um, she was a, a Muslim convert and I think she's sort of changed her, I mean, she's heard her spirituality and her, her, her faith has evolved in some way. Um, so whether, I, I'm not going to say if she's Muslim or not, doesn't, that's not my, my call. Um, but she's, she's a Native woman. And so she goes and she will uh, message people and say, did you realize that you're appropriating Native culture in this very inhumane way? And um, she will post their responses, which is interesting. Um, and very often, the first response that she gets is a defense one. Oh, it's fine. No, 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 no. I, I, I have Native friends who said this was okay. Um, and she will persevere sometimes, um, unless she starts to feel like she's not feeling safe. And then she has allies um, and um, fellow Native Americans who will then say, yeah, hey. And, and so she does this kind of flooding. Um, it always starts from a place of kindness, which is really interesting. Um, especially when she's posting, this was the first time I, I said something to them and they're yelling at me. Um, and then sometimes they will block her and then she gets other people to come look at the page. <laughs> um, and do the same thing, it's always this, wow, I saw your page and it really concerns me that you're engaging in this form of cultural appropriation that's very disturbing and upsetting to me as a native person. Um, so it always, they, they use I statements and they just keep on. And there have been times where I've, I've sort of followed the stories for some of these where they start to get it. They start listening. Um, she always keeps the message civil. And that's, you know, they're, they're gonna be 5,000 messages, again, that, and some of them aren't even actually from real humans. Um, if you get like a couple of people who go, oh, wow, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize, I'm sorry, I'm gonna change this. 
or you get someone who just continues to double down. You know, the, the piece about Nausicaa is that you do your part, and um, and because you uh, can't force somebody to change their mind, for your own peace of mind, for your own um, well-being, sometimes you just have to go, I gave you this information, I left you the pamphlet, I'm gonna walk back this way to my space, peace be with you, I'm out. And you just have to let it go. And it's really, really hard. It's, re it's, it's that's like, especially when it's online and it's just someone's just repeating that message over and over and over and over again. And sometimes they don't even care. They're just, just it sounds funny and witty. Um, and so, again, I, I, I don't know because this, this social media is, it's been around for a while, but we still don't have good rules around, um, we don't have good rules of engagement for it. And I kind of think the way that we're going to have to develop those is by all of us that wish to be allies with each other, remembering that, as you said at the beginning, freedom and peace are things that we all benefit from. And we can't set the agenda for other people's liberations, mm -hmm. but we can work together on the things that are mutual. And we're going to have to keep asking and keep questioning and keep listening. We can mm -hmm. figure it out together, but it's got to be together. And that's mm -hmm. a big thing about allyship. It's remembering that this is how we do it together. Yeah, and that you'd benefit from it. Like, that's, you know, you, you, you do. You benefit, if you, if you were a spiritual person, you benefit spiritually by, by helping somebody. But you also benefit from it because when we help others, we benefit from their success. Um, in some way that it might just be that they give you a cupcake for thinking you know as a, as a thank you for you know but don't do it for the cookies or the cupcakes do it for the cupcakes do it for the cupcakes do it for okay. the, if that's what you need do it for the cupcakes yeah and, and now I'm just worried because this is going to go on the internet and they're going to be like but Brian said do it for the cupcakes I'm, I'm endorsing do it for the cupcakes okay cool thank you everybody that's our time I'm social media right now uh -oh. thanks Kate no problem I got thank you. you everyone thank you I'm getting off the platform as fast as I can. I don't like it up there. It is kind of weird. I'm going to take the steps. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Mm. Mm -hmm. They might didn't hear me say I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh. Julie, when okay. you messaged, and I tagged when you, messaged, when you uh -huh. mentioned your research about the Quabbin, it was so funny because I'm from that area. Oh, wow. Cool. I know what that is. <laughs> I just found that fascinating. Yeah. There are cities under the water. This is amazing. Yeah. Not bad.